to the show, I want to welcome one of the nicest MCs in the game straight out of Brooklyn. He's currently out in Long Beach. This is where he plans to retire, out in the L.A. area. He just has a new album right now, Memo. It's great for the real hip-hop heads out there. Upcoming shows, Flight Night NYC at Sony Hall. They're already sold out. And Coda the Friend joins me here on the show here tonight, Sports Hip Hop with DJ Mad Max. What's going on, Coda? Hey, I'm chilling, you know, just enjoying life. How's everything? 365 days of peace. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> I just heard from your management because I heard that you're rehearsing for your shows. How's that going? It's going good, man. Just focus. You know, everything is simple. You know, I'm just focusing on uh, making sure the show goes well and doing my best. And, you know, we haven't done a, a show since um, uh, Chicago, and that was a couple months ago. And so I'm trying to make sure this is like this is like the hometown show. So it's, it's important. It is important. And you already are known to be selling out shows you saw at the Vermont in L.A. Mm-hmm. No, nah, it was lit. Yeah, L.A. has always been um, it's always been a big market for me, like ever since the beginning. That was really the one of the first places to show me love. And so it's always a special feeling to be back there. You know? That's where you were trying to get your own headline and performances at. And you couldn't at one time, so you just started opening up for whoever, and you actually started selling more tickets than the opening headliners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was the beginning. Like I remember, um, that was when really people just you know people don't really believe until they see what you can do and what you're capable of. And so, I was just yo, I really put all my money into just trying to get out to L.A. Obviously, nobody was flying us out. I put all my money into flying out to L.A. Um, I, I did a pay for play show, so I ended up buying my own tickets just so I could sell them. And but I, I, I obviously I ended up selling all of those tickets and more, and exceeding expectations. And um, like that really just opened the doors for me because people was like, "Oh, this dude from New York, but could sell more tickets than a headliner in Los Angeles." And that's when people really started paying attention. Like, "Yo, who is this dude?" That's how you got your old manager to come on board as well. Yeah, Sean Healy. Shout out to Sean. Shout out to Sean. That's how you move forward here today, man. But I'm looking forward to these shows. How's it feel to be sold out at home? Uh, it's crazy. You know, it's like winning the championship at your, you know, in your, in your home hometown. You know, it's just like, damn, we we bringing it back. You know, for the place that I come from. You know, it's like even seeing my um, my face on the Spotify billboard in Times Square. It's like it's kind of that same feeling. Where it's like, yo, this is the place where I grinded. You know, this is the place where, because um, when I'm in LA and I'm in Chicago, it's like, you know, these are new places, you know? So when I'm selling out out here, it's like, yo, this is dope. But when I'm selling out at home, it's like, bro, this is like my, it's like my bones and my blood is in this concrete. You know, it's just like, we really, we really come from here and we really put in the work right here. So it's a, it's a completely different feeling. Definitely a different feeling out there. You're going to be turning up out there for sure. But Flight Night was something that you started back in high school to help people who didn't have a platform get their talents on. Yeah. Um, yeah, Flight Night is an old concept. Like, it's something I've been doing, like you said, since high school. And um, it was we was just kids just trying to do something. Like, it was just, it was really either you was, you know, selling drugs or you was going to school. Um you know, there were, nobody was really doing anything creative at that time for just for people that wanted to make music and perform. And, you know, there was no platforms like that, really, at least not for us. And so I figured, yo, maybe I should create that. And um, so that's what 
that's what flight night was. It was like we wasn't we weren't we weren't nerds and we weren't you know out here doing the the bad stuff. You know what I'm saying? We getting getting involved in stuff that was you know troublesome, and so we were just like, yo, let's just figure out a way where we can actually do creative stuff and just be who we want to be, which is musicians and artists and dancers and oh, you know, we was the other. You know, we were the other, and and that was really our outlet. We used to um. We used to host shows where it's just a whole bunch of 15, 16, 17 year old kids in bars. You know, back then it wasn't as crazy as it is now. It's like people don't people don't go that people weren't going as hard as getting us in bars and stuff like that. And you know, it, it really birthed a whole generation of um of, of of new artists and that wanted to perform. You know, give everybody a stage. And that's the way to do it. And you've been paving a way for independent artists out there with your own journey, but with these shows that you have coming out, because I know you've toned down the tours. You want to spend time with your son and your family. Do you think it's for the greater outcome that you only do like a show each quarter because you have more of a turnout, the turnout's bigger than expected if you did more shows? Um, I don't know. I think it's just a personal choice for me in my life. You know, it's like, um, I always wanted to live a life of integrity, you know, and, um, not sacrifice, not not make I want to I want to make the sacrifices in the right places. I want to think long term. I want to think of the things that I really want and um, the energy that I want to put into this world. And um, yeah, it's just more. I, I I really feel like my life would be more fulfilling if I tone tone down the shows and give that energy that I would normally give to a sixty day tour and give that to my son and give that to my family. And you sacrifice money and you sacrifice whatever, but you know. I got too much integrity to to make those wrong sacrifices, you know. So I try to, I try to keep my, I try to keep that forever, you know. And that's what you're doing out here, doing great things, building on with the shows. I heard that you want to expand to festivals, even out in Europe. Yeah, um, yeah. So yeah, we're we're definitely moving to Europe. We're gonna do Europe in September, and um, yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be dope. It's gonna be dope. Demo is out right now on all platforms. Make sure you go check that out. What would you say was the overall message that you conveyed to your audience with this album, Memo? Because you have a lot of messages on there from Father's Day, good to be home. Right. My bad, bro. Can you just give me one second? Oh, yeah, for sure. Go to, go to, go to Jamie. Go ahead. Yeah, go have a snack. Go have a snack. Yeah. All right. Sorry. It's all good. Yeah. My son, I just told him that I was doing an interview and he came in and asked me for a snack. So <laughs> it's, it's all good. Yeah, but I'm sorry. Can you ask the question again? Oh, for sure. For the overall message, what do you feel as though you conveyed with the overall message of this new album, Memo? Because you have so many messages on here, 365 Days of Peace, Father's Day, Good to Be Home. So many inspiring messages on here from your life story. What was the overall message with this? Uh, I think my overall message was... I don't know. I feel like a lot of people spend a lot of time trying to find that thing that's going to make them happy. You know, it's like they, they chase whatever it is. They chase a dollar. They chase a, a person. They chase a romantic relationship. Um, whatever you're chasing, you're not going to find it until you start looking at yourself, you know, and, and you you have to find that peace internally. So I think um, ever since I started making music, it was always in, in search of, you know, in search of this. And it's like, yo, I'm looking for this thing. And that was my, like, that's what I, that, that what I was 
that's what I was conveying in my older projects. It's just like, yo, I'm trying to get to this place. And with Memo, it was like realizing what the what that place really is and realize that you can be there at all times, no matter what part of your journey you're in. You can always be at home. You can always feel like, yo, I'm right where I need to be if you actually um if you actually look within yourself, you know? So it's it's like you're not gonna if you're chasing money or you're chasing people or you're chasing romance, you'll you'll never find it. You know, it's just like you have to look it's it's right here, you know. Back in the day when you were a kid, you were watching these acts like Jay-Z, 50 Cent, and Ja Rule, and you saw the respect that they were commanding and all the popularity and attention that they were gaining at a time. Did your perception change as soon as you got in the game? You started to gain popularity on how you used to view your idols growing up? Hmm. I mean, I look at 50 Cent and Jay-Z and them, and I'm like, they're massive. You know what I'm saying? Like, So um, I don't think that I could ever see myself on that level because it's like it's just like uh they are who they are but um another one of my favorites was um blue you you know blue heard of him california uh he was he was like a heavy influence like especially when i started making music for real and um but i feel like he was the kind of artist he just stayed low-key you know and he always put his um his music first he had integrity, you know, um, and a lot of people would consider a lot of people uh, downplay his talent, you know, even though he's one of the most talented MCs, I feel like. And I feel like I really took something from him because it's like, even though he never made it super big, he has so much integrity. And I appreciate that about him as an artist and just as an individual. And that really inspired me. So it's just like now I'm I'm at this place where it's just like I don't feel like I'll ever be as big as 50 Cent or Jay-Z, but I don't really aspire to that because I know that there's other things I want to achieve, you know, um, and it just as a human being. And it's, it's, it's not all about being like, and I appreciate those guys because I appreciate guys like Jay-Z and 50 and all of the different styles that we grew up listening to. It's like I'm grateful that that existed, you know, because that that also birthed me. You know, because it's like watching them be that big and have that kind of impact, it really it it affected me. So, you know, I'm I'm grateful for all my um all my inspirations, like the ones that made it to the top, the very top, and the ones that kind of made it to the middle, or the ones that were never even heard of, you know. Good to be home too, even talks about your early influences with BET, watching the countdowns and 106 and Parks and seeing the big puns and Jay-Z's on stage and your idols, because you started out with the instrumentals of Jay-Z in my lifetime and you were rapping and recording over my tape recorder at your grandmother's table. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, the like that time I think was crucial, you know, for a lot of kids that were growing up watching the BET countdown. That was everything, you know. It wasn't the internet world that we live in now. It's like everybody had to be tuned into 106 and Park if you wanted to see what was going on, you know? And um, so so just watching watching people do their things, watching people who came from a similar place that we come from, you know? It's like New York was killing at the time, like crazy. And um, everybody had to be tuned into that, you know? Everybody was tuned into what was going on in New York City. and. Yeah, so um, that that was just that was crazy times for to be a hip hop fan, and 
like I said, like you like you said, I downloaded the In My Lifetime beat. LimeWire. Yeah, you know, LimeWire. And that was the first beat that I ever, like, wrote, wrote to. And, um, you know, it didn't stop there. We, we downloaded as much as we could. And we, 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 were always, we were always trying to rap. We were always trying to be Jay-Z. Like, I was, like, in my, with me and my cousins, my cousin would act like he was on Dame Dash, and I would act like I was Jay-Z. And my girl cousin would be like, she's Foxy Brown. <laughs> <laughs> Where, and, was, it, was anyone in your family, like, playing Memphis, Memphis Bleak? Oh yeah, we was playing Memphis Bleak. Yeah, man. Yeah. Um feel it in the air. Oh no. Is that bleak? Yeah, that's bleak. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this has been a that's been a long time, you know? But um yeah, Philly Freeway. Yeah, we I knew the whole um I used to be on a Rockefeller website looking at listening to snippets, you know, back like yo, know, to think that they used to really have snippets on the website of the of the music, you know. It's like I, I remember hearing Kanye songs, um, like before the before late before registration. college dropout. Yeah, but before before late registration dropped, they would have snippets of um of late registration on the Rockefeller website, and I would just listen to the thirty second snippet over and over and over, to the point where I remember when the album dropped, when late registration dropped, the the um the actual songs were wrapped over different beats than the snippets that I heard on the Rockefeller website, you know, like wow. they changed the whole song. So like, it, that's how, that's how I was, I was tapped in to like what was going on in music at the time. Even now, like it's only a few people that could talk to me about those old Kanye tapes, you know, it's like yeah. not everybody could really have that conversation with me. And so it's always that, but that's how tapped in we was. It's like, we wanted, it was school for us. You know what I'm saying? Like, it wasn't just, it wasn't just music. It was like it, it was an education, like it was something special that um, we took seriously to a certain degree, and and we was really obsessed. And you could tell that just from your rhymes that you're a student of the game and what you put out in quality projects, and you care about hip hop and progressing that forward because you had your phases growing up. Because there was a time when you went through a heavy Tupac phase where that was all you listened to, and then Kanye West for the just the sound of his music and Pharrell that was someone that you heavily looked up to as well. Yeah, um, yeah, I was obsessed with music. Like, um, my mother always said I have an addictive personality, and uh, when it came to music, I was I was a fanatic. You know, I was like I was just a music fanatic. I didn't care about, I really didn't care about much else. Um, making, I wanted to know every, I wanted to know the whole discography. If I if I listened to one to an artist, I wanted to know everything that they created. You know, uh, I wanted to know the stages of growth um every and i didn't know why i wanted to know this stuff but I, it was for some reason you know but i was just fascinated with perspective i was fascinated with people's writing styles everybody from biggie to the beatles to Jimi hendrix um uh you know to kanye and his production and his background vocals and and how it, everybody sounded different you know and there was so much there was so much to learn you know i feel like i learned from every artist that I've, I've listened to period every band from Led Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and you know it, and Pharrell was one of the like you said was one of the, my biggest inspirations he was the reason why I created my clothing line he was the reason that I you know really that I started a band when I was in high school and I started playing a guitar and I started playing keyboard because I wanted to be like him as far as musically inclined I really wanted to be tapped in in the music, in the in music, in a real way, you know, because 
trumpet was my first instrument, but um, when I realized what Pharrell could do, I was like, yo, I wanted to do that, you know? Like he could play drums and he could play keyboard and, you know, he was really a, he was really a musician that could do anything. And, um, and he can put that into this crazy production that is the Neptunes, you know? So I wanted to really use my creativity that way. You already had an edge early on because you went to Brooklyn High School of the Arts and even Five Towns College. I was reading that that's where you went to learn how to play the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm sorry. Can you say that one more time? Oh, for the Brooklyn High School of the Arts, and then you went to Five Towns College, and I was reading that's where you went to learn how to play trumpet. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So um, I learned. I started playing trumpet when I was in the um, third grade, actually. Um, uh, and I was, it was like the first thing I was really good at, you know, um, uh, I was, I was okay at sports, you know, I was kind of good at baseball a little bit, <laughs> but when I, when I got on the trumpet, it was almost like everybody around me stopped, you know, and like the world stopped and it was like, oh, you know, like, I think they, like the day two that I, of me playing the trumpet, the teacher put me in a, in a, in a higher class, you know? And and he was like, yo, he's. He, I remember he told my mother he had a, a separate meeting with my mom, telling her, yo, this kid is gifted, and you know he can, he can, he can go to college with this, and he can, you know, get a degree with this trumpet because he's already good, and it's only his second day picking it up. Like he should really see you. You should really see what he can do with this. And um, so after that, it was just music, music, music. My mother didn't even let me do anything else. She was just like, I just want you to, um, I just want you to keep going with this music thing. And so that's what I did. And um, uh, I went to a music junior high school. I went to a music high school and I stayed with the trumpet the whole time. And by the time I got to high school, when I was in Brooklyn High School of the Arts, that's when I really started venturing out. That's when I met a whole bunch of different uh, musicians. I met. Um, piano players and guitar players and it just inspired me because I was like man I had resources we had practice rooms we didn't have those when we were in um, junior high school and elementary there was rooms that we could actually practice our instruments and rooms with instruments there they had guitars there they had keyboards and pianos we didn't I didn't have a guitar at my house I didn't have a piano at my house so I was able to um, access those things and I met long, like lifelong friends that are still kind of that are on my album to this day. Like Hello O'Shea, we went to high school together. You know, he was on and, Memo too. Yeah, yeah, he was on pretty much every album yeah. that I've created, and that's my friend from high school. We met in the practice room. You know, just me and him back in the day when he couldn't sing and I couldn't play piano, and we were learning from each other and raising each other and skipping class and cutting class together trying to make this thing happen, you know, and, and learn. So it was cool. With working with Hello Shea for so long, is this what you mean by w- once you take your break here from working on your own work that you want to start building up your friends' careers? Is Hello Shea one of them? Yeah, definitely. Um, I want to see I want to see all of their dreams come to fruition. And uh, I want to help in any way that I possibly can uh, that makes sense. And that's... Um, that's that's definitely a goal of mine uh, to be part of something that's not me at the center. I want to just kind of like build up the people around me, and in in a way that's creative and nuanced uh, that people will appreciate, you know. And 
I just want to do some cool stuff, man. I want to be creative, period. I think that's that's my calling in life. You want to start your own label. Have you been doing the research already to get the LLCs going to sign other artists? Is the, the beginning stages? Uh, I wanted to start my own label, but then I kind of dialed back. You know, I thought dialed about, back. Yeah, I thought about it. I thought about what do I really want to do? You know, because I'm not really with, I don't really, I'm not really with the idea of labels, you know? So upon thinking about it, I realized I just want to, I want to have a creative agency, you know? And um, I want it to be everything. I want us to be able to do anything we want to do from sculptures to um, photography, to art pieces, to um, music, um, films, everything. And I want to, I want to find a way to really um, incorporate all of those things to create masterpieces, you know, you know, so where, you know, O'Shea may come with me with a song, with a song, and it's like, you know what, I'm gonna support this song with X, Y, and Z. You know, where it's just like, bro, I don't want to have any ownership in your music. I don't even want to take any percentages from you. I want to figure out how can we both win. You know, period. You know, without without that same archaic, you know, concept of record labels. And so that's what I'm working on now. You know, I'm just being patient about it. And I think these self-help books help you out as well, because this with helping out your friends, you've learned to that you need community. You have to establish community. No, nah, community is um, important and community. Sometimes community is not so easy to have. You know, it's just like it's hard to trust people and it's hard to um, give up that responsibility when you have a when you have a project or you're working with other people. But life is interdependent no matter what it's uh, you can't. You, you, you can't live independently forever. You know, everybody, people always have this thing where, and I've had this thing where it's like, you know what, I can do it myself. I can do it all on my own, but that's not how the world is. And so I can understand people that, um, that struggle with interdependence, but it's something that you have to accept at some point and you have to be open to moving into that, into that realm of like, you know, I've been working with my independently for so long and that's cool it's good that you know how to how to work on your own but it's inevitable that if you want to grow you have to um you have to really expand your community and that's not just with success that's just with personal as, a, as just as a person if you want to grow as a human being you have to um you have to have community so yeah. and you're not the type of person to cut people off hmm it depends <laughs> nah, I don't. I'm really, I'm really not the type of person to cut people off. Um, I distance myself if, if I feel like um, it's not, it's, it's, it's going against my, my process. You know, if it's, if it's, if me spending time with a person is going against, against my growth process. If somebody is hindering me, then I'll distance myself. You know, um, I wish, I wish everybody well though. You know, it's a, it, it's. Cutting people, cutting people off is harsh. It's something I used to do. Something that I think a lot of people do, and and you feel like it's healthy. But when you when you actually use the word cut off, that's it's just it's just an unhealthy way to live. Yeah. yeah. No, but you're definitely a prime example out here of just someone that keeps moving forward. Because most often creatives don't speak about it, but you've spoken about it before, in which. You were grinding out. You were really putting the work. You're talented. You got the catalog, but there were times when people were just pretending that you didn't exist. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but that, that's everybody, you know. That's um, that's any artist that does anything. That's any person in any industry. 
uh, at some point, people are gonna overlook you and people are gonna act like you're not there. And people will do it because they just petty. It's like, you know, it's like we know you're talented, but we're not gonna give you any shine. Why? Because, you know, what's, how do we benefit off of that? You know, there's no reason for us to um, put you on the stage if we're not really getting any benefit. I don't really, we don't really care to see you shining without us. You know? So, I mean, you, you have to, you have to accept that and live with that. If you love what you do, you just do what you do and that's it. And if you don't love it, then you'll end up doing something else and that's fine too. But as long as you're happy doing what you want to do and it doesn't matter if people are accepting you. You've been a testament of being independent because originally coming into the game, you wanted to be backed by a label. But once you sat down at these meetings, they were giving you deals that were just terrible. When did you... to find your own self wealth, which knowing your worth. Yeah. I feel like um in the past year I've really found my my own self worth. And my own self worth really has nothing to do with music. It has nothing to do with um what can I what I can achieve monetarily or what can I achieve in the music industry or musically at all. Uh, my value comes from who I really am, you know, who, who am I? One thing I started asking myself this year is like, who am I with nothing, you know? Like who who would I be if I didn't have these blessings that I have? If I wasn't able uh, to sell out shows, if, if you know, all, all the work that I put in didn't really amount to anything, or what if I lost everything I had today? Who am I then? Because that's who I really am. <laughs> yeah, because all this stuff is just, could be taken at any moment. You know, so you have to be grateful, but so that's really what I focus on. That's I focus on that immovable part of me. Like, who am I to my family? Who am I to my kids? Uh, who am I to my friends? Who am I to myself? And what what am I doing every day to to show myself that I appreciate me too? And um, uh, when people at my funeral, what are people gonna say? What is my what is my son gonna say? That's that's all that matters to me is. And everything else became secondary after that. And um, so that's that's really where my value lies and where my self-worth really lies. It's not about I took my I took my energy away from um selling out shows and making sure the shows get bigger and bigger. I took my energy away from that and kinda kind of just brought it back into my house, you know, and just really took a step back and think about my real life, not the not the shiny stuff and not the glamorous stuff that, that a lot of people would look up to me and be like, oh, but you are this person and you're so great. And how could you, you know, like people look at your life and they're like, how could you be sad? You know, because it's like, there's so much more. Yeah. There is so much more. And you were going to these concerts when you were young, such as you, you saw Jay-Z and his Reasonable Doubt concert, as well as Lauryn Hill, because you were a huge fan of the miseducation of Lauryn Hill. Her, solo album was there someone that you studied and you incorporated into your on-stage performance and just learned how to operate a show Ooh, um, hmm. i saw jay-z a long time ago i was probably like 12 13 years old he he kind of had the the most laid-back demeanor i never seen i i that was my that was the first concert i ever been to and he just had this this way about him where it's like, yo, he wasn't even trying. He wasn't even trying and he was just killing it. And I remember thinking, yo, that's 
that's just crazy, you know. And um, the I've never really seen a crazy hype concert. Uh, I think that my favorite artists were just chilling on stage. Like they would just get on stage and they would rap. And um, Lauren Hill, Lauren Hill was just she's just her. She's just the queen. She gets on stage, she sits down, and she does her thing. Um, and and really, I guess. Uh, my 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 shows are a little bit more wild than theirs, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, we go a little we go a little crazy, but um, I feel like they they influence my music, not necessarily my live performance. Yeah. Mm. No, but did you see because you're such a Jay Z fan the resurfaced footage of his Summer Jam performance when he brought out Michael Jackson? I didn't see that. Yeah, I know that that went viral a couple months ago because that resurfaced again. You knowing that you're a big Jay Z fan, wanted to see if you caught wind of that. Nah, I didn't catch wind, bro. I've been I've been off social media for a minute, so I don't know. I don't blame going. you. Yeah. Free not woke podcast. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, free not woke. Yeah, I've been I've been off it. I, I I did a few episodes of that, and um, I was I wanted like the plan is even to do more episodes. I just got into a space where. Uh, I wanted to distance myself from just internet. So uh, Free Not Woke is really, we created that because it's like, yeah, it's about being free and not this new woke stuff that's that everybody, every if you woke, you, you're just kind of on whatever wave is happening. So being woke is like another trend. And so I'm kind of like just living with that concept, but in real life, it's like, I'm trying to really be free. Yeah, I'm trying to really be um out of the loop and figure out you know what 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 this life really is and what this world really has to offer. So, I've just been having real life experiences and keeping it at that and getting away from digital. With woke though, don't you feel that there could be like two def because I understand in your position and what you do it for. I know the whole story, but do you feel though, that there's a, also another side of woke as far as like racial issues that go on in the country that people are just not up on, mostly white people? Um, I feel like there's a lot of information information on the internet and a lot of there's a lot of misinformation and people are just going back and forth arguing. People angry, everybody's angry. Um, so a lot of wokeness, I just feel is a lot of misdirected anger. You know, and, and a, lot, a lot of stuff you see on the internet, you don't even really know what you're looking at. You know, people just people are just saying whatever they want to say. And that's really that's the free speech and that's the beauty of it. And that's the folly of it. You know what I'm saying? It's just it's people. People don't really know anything. And Coda, just talk to Jamie. I'm doing something right now. OK, please. All right. Sorry. It's all good. <laughs> Like he, he knows I'm he knows I'm on a call and he's so he's specifically trying to trying to get to me right now. Oh, uh, it's all good. But, yeah. But um yeah. Oh, uh, what was I saying? Oh yeah, the internet, man. And the and the, the way that information spreads and everybody think they woke. Everybody think that they know something and they got an edge on somebody else. And it, it it's like how there's no there's no quality control over this information. And so I just stopped acting like I know, you know, I stopped acting like I know something. And I only speak on the stuff that I really know firsthand in my life and everything else. I can't, I can't speak to you about something that's happening across the world because I'm not there. And that's the reality. Um, 
somebody could trick me into believing whatever they wanted me to believe. And so I choose to just kind of stay in my lane as a person. I choose to like I have to I have to I have to educate my son. I have to educate um the people around me if if they don't know something. And that's my responsibility as a person to make sure that I raise um a, a beautiful person, to to make sure that I raise a person that can go into the world and be great and and somebody that's not going to be doing harm to other people and so that's my responsibility and um i i try to I, I try to stay away from everything else man because it's it's too much out here toxic and it's too much it's too it's too toxic bro it's very it's very toxic and it's like um i feel like you can uh be against the negativity and you can be against the bad things in the world as a human that's human nature to not like to not like these bad things and to not to wish that these things weren't happening. So I, re I really wish that these things weren't happening around the whole world, um, but I can't save the world. I'm one person and I can't, I can't save it. And when I was younger, I felt like I could. When I was younger, I wanted to be a revolutionary. I read um, Shea Guevara's uh, biography and, and all his diary entries. And I read Malcolm X and I wanted to be, I wanted to be that revolutionary dude, man. I was like, you yeah, man, I'm all in. I wanted to know everything. And um, as as I grew up, I realized, man, there's so much that I have to take care of in my own home. And how can I how can I go out and save the world if my house is breaking down from the inside? You know, if 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 I can't take care of what's going on right here, if I can't take it, if I can't take care of what's going on inside of myself, how can I save the world? And so my my attention just like went from looking out there and judging the world to looking inside myself and judging myself and making sure that, you know, everything is going on, everything is going well right here in this space. And then we can branch out. But I feel like um, in this world we live in today, people completely forget about what's going on inside themselves and go straight to let's change the world. And that creates chaos because then I'm going to save the world with this you know, immature mind mindset. And I'm a, now I'm not even changing anything. I'm just attacking whoever I want to attack. So if you have a different opinion than me, I'm going to attack you. I don't care. I don't care what you're trying to say. All I know is that you're saying something that is not what I'm trying to say. So that's for me, that's what I, I noticed that that's what a lot of the woke stuff is. And that's why I say it's a lot of anger. And, and just misguided, misdirected anger. It's like people feel things. The world is feeling things. The world is hurting. And, and I empathize with that. But how you relay this information, how you relay your point of view, it matters. Because do you really want progress? And do you really want people to heal? Or do you want to just cause more chaos, more inner conflict, more conflict, period? And... Um, and this, this, there's just so many factors. Like, I'm, I'm just gonna say one more thing about this. But um, there's an author, Bell Hooks, mm -hmm. and I love her perspective because her perspective is always open. Her perspective is always growth and healing. It's never trying to break down. It's never trying to destroy. It's always to build up. And so I love reading her literature. I love reading her books. Um, 
it because they give me like that well-rounded perspective where man it feels it, it feels good her and Brene Brown you know Brene Brown I've heard of her yeah but but um those are two authors that really give me that um full perspective and I love that because it's like bro that's that's what life is life isn't just this one-sided opinion or this one-sided narrative it's understanding that life is a whole thing you know and that the world is a whole thing and that there are always set multiple layers and multiple sides to this story that is someone's life or that is to to the world you know so um i try to see things in 3d and um not this not this one-dimensional two-dimensional um, um world this digital world it's just like this try to live in that real that real realm and I, I agree with you on that. And cancel culture to me is a myth because it only applies to certain people and other people, they get away from it somehow. It, it's, it's always, it's not always everyone under one tent for that. It's always pick and choose who we cancel. And I, I really am not for that. But how much closure did you get from seeing the whole Johnny Depp and Amber Heard thing go down and seeing that he won his case against her? Yeah, that was beautiful. Like watching that happen because it really showed that men do get abused even though i feel like it was common knowledge that that stuff happens but um to see that really go down it it, it really showed that it's like yo everybody needs justice man. like it's not just it's not just women that need that justice men need that justice too men like men are getting beat up by women every day and um nobody shines light on that uh, and it showed that and it, and it proved that um, it proved that women abuse the system so they can, you know, so they can get uh, so they can get somebody. So they like Amber Heard was trying to get Johnny Depp. She just wanted him to suffer. She didn't really care about anything except him suffering uh, so much. She cared about him suffering so much. She wanted him to suffer so much that she was willing to just make up stories. She was willing to just say anything to bring this man down. And it's something that is, it's something that a lot of people go through. Like when I came out with um, my song Bitter, uh, a lot of a lot of people related, a lot of men and women related to it, which may actually open my eyes like, wow, like women are actually relating to this song. And it, it just showed me that this stuff happens so often and it's really not talked about. And I'm, I'm it, he's a hero to a lot of people and he's a lot of people were watching that and they were like, yo, I'm so, I'm so happy that at least somebody's getting justice for this. Because now in the times of cancel culture, everyone goes down and <laughs> that's the end of you. Yeah. But that's, I think the beauty of it is that, um, like even Johnny Depp, he, he, he learned his value. He learned that his value wasn't just in being an actor and being Jack Sparrow. He learned that, he, he could do so much more you know he um he started a band like he started you know traveling with his band more and stuff like that so i look at that and that's the beauty of it is that um they try to they try to end you and you only find more ways to do what you love you know and more ways to be the best version of yourself so that's really it really is just like that the cancel culture stuff um it doesn't work on somebody. It doesn't work on a strong person. It doesn't work on strong people because they're just gonna they're just gonna find another way to live. And um, exactly. but the but the thing is the 
the people who are part of the cancel culture stuff, they're just angry little people. They're just angry little people. Like, and it's to the point where it's just really sad. Like, you're an angry person with a keyboard. You know, you too, too, too mad to focus on your own life. You know, you, you don't want to focus on your life because, you know, it's so sad. And so you have to go out to the world and try to destroy someone else's. But, you know, that's, that's the world we live in. That's the digital world. That's the internet, social media. Can't do nothing about it. No, you can't. The Body Keeps the Score in My Grandmother's Hands. Those are two books that you've read that you really related to. And just hearing about you going for therapy and not having someone that you could speak to growing up in, in your household as far as mental health goes. When you approached going to therapy and having a therapist, was this before the whole thing came out on social media or was this before then? Yeah, this was before the before. whole thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I've been I've been seeking out therapy, um, even if it wasn't like consistently. Uh, I always knew that it was something I needed to, you know, my mental health was something I needed to get a, a hold on. I was just used to being sad, used to being depressed, all of that. So, um, I always knew that uh, therapy was something I wanted, even before it was like a trend, quote unquote. Like, uh, I've been into it. I've heard that you actually, when you first had your therapy session, that you were able to cry during it. Do you think it's okay for a man to cry? You know, as much as people may be like, oh, that's like the worst thing for men to do, but you think it's okay for men to cry? Yeah, of course. (laughs) It's... uh... It's, it's more than okay. Um, yeah, crying. When I, yeah, when I had my first um, my first session, dude really made me cry. He he. I think this is how the conversation went. He um, he told me he asked me questions. He was like, just like, how do you feel about this? And and I told him how I felt. And then he um, before I did anything else, he says, stop, hold that. And then he said, where do you feel this feeling, you know? And um, I pointed to my chest and and then he asked me to describe the feeling. And as I was describing the feeling, like the tears just started coming, you know? And I realized like that was the first time I ever really described my feelings. You know, it was like, I never really described how I truly felt. Cause a feeling is like in your body, you feel it viscerally, you know? so. It's like, man, I really, this is where I'm holding this emotion. And that's part of like the body keeps the score. It's like the body, your body retains information like your your brain does. Um, where depress- that's, and depression comes from that too. It's like, if, if you experience something that you don't necessarily remember, uh, it, it can affect your body. You can have uh, knee-jerk reactions to certain things, and you can um, you can store things in your body that can make you sick in the long run. Things that you don't remember, things that you can't even I can't recall that that happened, but all of my my body remembers because when when I hear this noise, my body has a reaction to it. You know, it's it's like and that's so crazy. That's how the human body works. The human body really makes you forget things that are. Um, that are troublesome stuff that will, uh, you know, affect you negatively. It's like your, your mind will really forget it. Be like, that's how strong, that's how powerful we are as people that, um, that we forget things to protect ourselves. 
sick. Uh, that <laughs> it definitely is, and it's really eye opening. You could tell that you learned a lot from your therapy sessions. I did. Uh, it's a uh, therapy definitely helped me. Uh, reading helped me learning about my brain and learning about uh, ways that I can I can become better and um, ways that I can get more in tune with myself. Is, that's that's really that's really the whole goal. That's how you go into the world confident. So you have to really be one with yourself and in tune. Yeah. And and that's what you're doing. You have your own book club as well. And that's inspiring for people to read, especially in 2022. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got I got Coda's book club on Instagram. Uh, I don't post on it as much, uh, but whenever I have a good book rec- recommendation, I put it up there for people to see. Uh, it's just really, yo, this is a community where people share real resources. Like these books are resources, I feel. Uh, they help me a lot. And so I post in the book club to show people like, yo, this could probably help you too. You know, no matter. And and I let people give me recommendations and I've taken people's recommendations and read them myself. And so it's a it's a dope community where there's, there's things to be learned. Father's Day, I want to get into this track off your newest album, Memo. How was it creating this track and just the story behind it and you speaking about wanting to give love to your son that you didn't receive and just you having a father because I, I've read that he's actually helped you out with some of the things that you may not be the most skilled at as far as like things that you handle in your career. Yeah, no, my dad is my dad is great. Um, and I feel like uh, not in definitely not to take anything from from my father because he grew up with his own you know with his own set of issues and he didn't have a father and uh so but I feel like and one thing that me and him have talked about is like yo we should be doing better every generation you know I should be better than him my son should be better than me so on and so forth and so so that's really what it is it's like I want to give my son things that I, I didn't have growing up. I want to I want to give him a place where a safe space where he can come to me and talk to me about anything. And he can know that um, he has somebody that's going to have those difficult conversations with him. Uh, somebody that's going to just somebody that's just going to hug him and love him and kiss on him and, you know, telling him it's OK to feel, feel how you feel. And but that comes with that comes with growth. You know, that comes with uh, deciding that you want to be better than the generation before you. And, um, and I'm grateful for everything that my father has done for me. And he put me in a position where I can be even better for my kid. And I'm going to make mistakes <laughs> that my son is going to take and be like, you know what, I'm not going to do that with my kid. And he's going to say the same thing about me, but that's the whole, that's the whole process, you know? And, and the most you can do is be grateful when your son takes the good things from you and your, your kid actually looks at you and say, yo, um, no matter with all, with all the strife, with all of the drama, with all of the bad stuff, um, I love you and you're great. And, you know, I appreciate you for exactly who you are. So that's, that's really, it's, it's like, no matter what, it's always love, you know? I heard that this, album is going to be your last one for a while is that true yeah i think so for now um i feel like i i said all i had to say for now um right now i don't feel like that i have anything to to say and i only make music 
when I have something to say. I don't really, I don't, I'm not the type of person that just make music for no reason. Just can grind, hustle. Uh, um, music is very spiritual to me, so um, I, I, I won't really make another album until I have another story to tell. But that story will be completely different than anything I've made thus far. Yeah, man, I think you really hit it out of the park with this album. Definitely one of the top hip hop albums that drops this year. Real hip hop, especially for the real hip hop heads and the code of the friend heads too. You know, because you got a you got a niche fan base. You know that you established throughout your shows from doing the the meet and greets and everything. And you know, I just look forward to seeing everything that you have coming up in the near future with expanding your brand, especially getting in the films because you already have some film connections with Lapita because she did the interlude on your last album. Everything. Yeah. Yeah, that was cool. Uh, it was cool to get all those people on that album. Absolutely, man. Code of the Friend, is there anything else you want to let the audience know that, that we didn't cover here today? Nah, man, you covered everything. <laughs> <laughs> Stuff that I didn't expect you to cover. You got it, bro. You did it. <laughs> I appreciate that, man. 